Hi, and welcome to the first newscast dedicated to citizens of the kingdom that will have no end, a kingdom that is even now in our midst. I'm Jamie Kiever, and I'm very grateful you're tuning in on this Tuesday, August 3rd, 2021 edition of Kingdom's Cornerstone News. The Crux, an online Catholic publication, reported last week nearly 3,500 Christians were murdered in Nigeria the first 200 days of 2021. They go on to discuss the International Society for Civil Liberties and Rule of Law's recent report describes Islamic terrorist organizations like Boko Haram and other jihadist groups are behind the attacks and operate freely under cover and protection of security forces in the Muslim majority north of the country. We'll absolutely share the link to the article so you can read it in its entirety, but they do the math and report 17 Christians a day are brutally murdered by Islamic extremists and almost no one is talking about it. Certainly not the mainstream media. And the real question is why? Is it because it's happening in Nigeria or because they're Christian? And if it's not one of those two reasons, then why else are we not hearing about these hundreds of thousands of people being slaughtered, persecuted for their religious and racial background? I, for one, would like to know. Some good news to report from Breitbart.com. Approximately 200 Afghan interpreters who helped the U.S. during the Afghan war, along with family members, arrived in Virginia Friday thanks to a bipartisan Afghan fast-track resettlement plan. Those Afghan interpreters and their families are absolutely not safe in Afghanistan right now as ISIS is quickly taking control of the region in the absence of U.S. forces. Breitbart reports to date about 20,000 interpreters have applied for the U.S. visas through the Special Immigration Visa Program. There is potential for fraud, writes the Center for Immigration Studies in an analysis of the plan, this according to the Breitbart article. We'll be sure to share a link to this article in the description of the video. Homes were destroyed and people forced to evacuate as fire ripped through forests near Turkey's tourist Mediterranean beach destinations. Firefighters battled the flames for the sixth day Monday as water-carrying planes from the EU prepared to join containment efforts. Reports of up to eight people have been killed. Now, Turkey's President Tayyip Erdogan tried to reassure people affected by the wildfires, saying the government would rebuild homes and cover housing of tenants whose properties were damaged. Now, this might fall on deaf ears to those Kurdish residents of Turkey who have increasingly come literally under fire by Turkish aggression. This article by the Jerusalem Post, which we'll link to in the description of this video, describes Turkey's far-right political movement and how that's fared terribly for the Kurds. There are, in fact, reports of a Kurdish family of seven being gunned down days ago, murdered at home in Turkey. In fact, video by Megan Baudet on Twitter shows the following, the tweet reading, Here are Turkish police violently attacking democratically elected HDP MPs and their staff at a peaceful protest against yesterday's racist murder of a Kurdish family in Konya. How can Kurds expect justice from this legal system? The answer is they can't. Now you might ask why does any of this matter? And I totally get it. These are stories happening elsewhere in the world. Here in the United States, things are super comfortable, but this just isn't reality. 
The reality is our Christian brothers and sisters are enduring atrocious persecution, and we have a responsibility to know about what's going on, how we can pray, and how we can help. That's why it matters. It's extremely important. All right, we'll be right back after this short message. The effects of social media can't be overstated. With big tech able to silence presidents and elections determined through social media platforms, its influence over our lives is problematic, to put it mildly. And while several platforms have popped up promising to be censorship resistant and catering to a largely right or left crowd, one social media platform I recently encountered deserves to be on your radar. Joining us today is Christopher Manti. He's an associate pastor of Iron Faith Fellowship Church and lead pastor of the revolutionary endtime.church and author of the newly released End Times book, Flee to the Mountains. Christopher, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jamie. It's a great honor, my friend. All right. If you would, just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do. Right. So uh, I'm just a normal guy who had a, had a very unorthodox journey uh, to where we are. Like you say, I never in a million years would have uh, pictured myself as a, as a pastor of anything uh, or responsible for much of anything. Um, my life was very much in the secular world. I've, I, mean, I was saved when I was eight years old. I know I love Jesus. I know uh, he's called me to, to serve him. And I kind of had a Jonah moment where I moved, you know, no, please don't do this. I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, and I came up in, you know, secular work, um, a lot of customer service, a lot of facilitating relationship, um, problem-solving types of things, um, always on the technical end of it. But it was basically just uh, getting people to help each other and to make those connections. And so the Lord brought that uh, gifting out uh, at that point for me. Uh, and then from there, it became a lot of like grassroots organizing uh, for political causes and candidates and things of that nature. 
um, worked on a couple presidential level campaigns and a U.S. Senate campaign. And um, eventually in 2012, it all came to a, a head. And uh, on election night that night, the Lord basically asked me, so do you work for me now? And I said, yes, Lord, I work for you now. Um, and ever since then, uh, that's when Wings of the Eagle was born. It's the ministry he's, he's had me to create. And uh, it's almost exclusively an online presence. Um, and uh, that's when I said, you know what, I guess I better go back to my local church, uh, find one and get hooked in and get my family hooked in. And it's one thing led to another. When you just give up your uh, desires and, and everything and just say, I just want to serve, you know, my fellow believers here. I want to serve the pastor here. I want to serve the people in this particular uh, part of the body of Christ. That's when the Lord really can work through you. I just want to let yeah. your audience know that. Yeah, and, and that's basically how we got here. And somehow I got, you know, ordained. And now we've launched uh, this End Time Church, which you mentioned is an uh, online only uh, fellowship. And we have an awesome app and all this great stuff is happening. It's, it's just a tremendous blessing. Yeah, when you give your life over to that, wanting to serve, you can't help but bear fruit. And that's what I think this social media uh, platform, this app is, is really just amazing fruit from your walk. Can you tell us about the social media platform? I mean, how did you come up with it? What's the story behind it? I kind of had, I mean, call it, you know, the, the Lord uh, looking forward um, in what I had been doing. And it was becoming clear even years ago about you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, that the existing uh, platforms that we see, like the YouTubes and Facebooks, etc., um, were not going to tolerate forever uh, the gospel. Uh, and especially when you are called to type of a bold, you know, no nonsense, straight to the point type of style that I have, and maybe you know a little bit about that as well. Um, they're really not going to put up with you for long. Um, so. I feeling like, well, we need our own thing. We need to create something where, because um, mobile devices uh, at one time was only for you know the rich or or for the Western nations, but now it's ubiquitous. Everyone really has access to it, even down to the you know the poor nations of Africa have cell phones. And so I'm just like, well, seems like we just need an app here that can circumvent all those things, so we don't have to worry about being shut out of this you know, social media or that or YouTube or PayPal or whatever, uh, but to actually just create something that we own. And we did. I found, um, you know, by a, obviously the Lord's leading, it was a company called Disciple, which ironically is not a Christian company, but uh, they helped me design it and they uh, volunteered to host it and things of that nature. So cost us a bit to, to put, um, you know, that side of it in place, but it's everything that we want it to be now. There's, um, it's on the app stores. Obviously, it's totally free. You just go get it. Uh, all you do is from your, even on your computer, you don't need a phone or a tablet or anything. You just type in app.endtime.church and that'll bring you direct to your device's um, app store or URL. So you'll get it no matter what, um, how you get there, you'll get it. And it's totally free. You just put in your information, your email, you'll get a confirmation to weed out the folks who are phony and say, yes, this is really me, and this is uh, uh, what I'm interested in learning, and then you can be part of it. And it's worldwide, truly worldwide. We've got, I for, I've lost count of nations now, but it's dozens um, of folks. But that's the goal, is to really just say, okay, let's be the body of Christ from no matter where we are, um, 
and, and bring down as many barriers as we can to make that happen. Yeah, and I just absolutely love it. Uh, can you talk a little bit about privacy, though? I mean, is this app safe for, say, a church in China who's got to use, like, virtual private networks and stuff to keep their existence private from the government? Or, or is this just something for Americans that uh, might be prone to... I, you know, I, do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah, ab absolutely. It's certainly not uh, for any one nation or group for... I mean, that's the intention was specifically not to be that. It uh, was to be a global access type of thing. Um, from the very beginning, it was very important to me to have private groups, to have private messengers, um, to have, in other words, there are groups on, on our app that you don't even see, and you will never know they exist unless you're invited to it. Hmm. There's no way anyone's going to see that unless they're looking over your shoulder, right? And they, they take your phone from you and then unlock it, I guess. You really can't prevent that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as a, a country, um, geez, I mean, I'm not an expert on it, but it would be very, very hard, um, I believe. If, if, you're come, if you're using an IP address and they shut down all the IPs in the country, you know what I mean? Like something like that, I suppose you could... You could stop access, but um, to to break in and to, to see what you're doing on it, that would be incredibly difficult. Hmm. Well, so I'm, I'm, I'm personally satisfied, yes, with, with that level. And that said, um, we are always I'm always on them about it to, you know, what else can we do? How can we harden it even more? You know, how can we make it more comfortable for folks in persecuted situations? That's my heart about it, really. Is to you know there are so many millions of persecuted Christians throughout the world, especially in Africa, Asia, the Middle East. Um, how do we get them comfortable enough to use it? That's my primary focus. So I'm always thinking about it. Christopher, how do people sign up? Yeah, just go to app.endtime.church from any device that you're on. It'll bring you directly to either the Apple App Store or the Android. Uh, Google Play Store, or right on your computer, your laptop or desktop. You could It has a website version of it, so you don't even need a mobile um, device. You put in your email and your name. You'll get a confirmation sent to you automatically to say, hey, is this really you? Is this really your email? You say yes, and it gives you the um, quick rundown of what the rules and regs are. You know, please don't be disrespectful. You know, it's Christian stuff. Um, and just use your real name, things of that nature. Uh, and then you're good to go, and you're automatically placed in what we call the Start Here uh, group, which just tells you how to start and what to use and what the resources are in the app that you can uh, find, uh, where to get help, etc. Uh, the community group, which is just where everyone lives and talks and chats and posts pretty much whatever they want. Um, think of like a like a holy version of Facebook or Instagram. Um, and then the prayer group, which should be our first right instinct is to pray for each other and with each other um and so that's open to everyone who joins the app they're automatically placed in it and then there are other groups uh, like i said private ones you, no one knows they're even there until you're invited by the owner of that private group um and then there are uh, that, that would be a secret group actually and then a private group would be it's there but you can't get in unless you're approved so there's all kinds of different levels in there and, and great um, opportunities for someone to really get a lot out of it Christopher is this a non-profit or 5013c I mean how are you paying the bills here uh, well it's it's kind of on our side uh, as the ministry it's not nonprofit because and this is true of Wings of the Eagle End Time Church etc anything I'm involved with um 
because of donors. I don't want to have a donor list out there. I don't want there to be some kind of exposing of anything. I don't. I want people to feel safe. Um, I also don't, just particularly for me, I don't like the fact that someone will give or not give based on whether they can get a tax, a tax deduction in the United States. I think that's rotten and kind of it stinks to me. Um, I never have operated like that, so I don't think it's a big deal. And it, like you say, it would only apply to the United States anyways, and this is more of a global thing. Um, so to answer your question, it's it's not a nonprofit for those reasons, not that we're anyone's in it to make money, because we're not at all. Uh, but until we get to that level where folks are uh, just giving like they would to any other ministry or church, uh, then people who are putting it together have to foot the bill, which for now is mostly myself, but it is what it is. It's a faith a step of faith. I feel like God wants it to happen, so I'll give everything I've got. All right. Well, how can people support what you're doing? Yeah, there's a, certainly a donation or a giving page, uh, endtime.church slash give, and that gives you all the options, including crypto, by the way. Uh, you can donate with crypto or credit card, bank, check, all that stuff, PayPal, whatever you want, um, and it's all there for you. Whatever God leads you to do, do it. That's. I mean, we tell we have services every Monday night. We just tell folks, Hey, just pray about it. Whatever God tells you to give, just give it. That's it. You know, end of spiel. Uh, there's no 10% talks or anything like that. It's just whatever God tells you to do, do that. Be obedient. You'll be blessed. We'll be blessed. Everything's good. Now, I've been scouring endtime.church ever since I found it, and I came across a message you gave that was up on YouTube. You, you did mention the YouTube channel you run, Wings of the Eagle. And we'll be sure to include that information in the description of the video if there's anyone out there that wants to know more. But here's a really great clip from that message I'd like to play for the audience right now. The age will end, and this time of, well, believe whatever you want, is over. In a way, faith when he comes, is over. There'll be no debate. Everyone will see him. Every eye will see him. Everyone on earth will know he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no dispute anymore. In fact, the devil himself is locked away. He can't influence anyone. There is no other religion anymore. Now, Christopher, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, and there is no right or wrong answer, but after I heard this, it really got to me. I mean, you, you described it in such a way that it became real for me to imagine. I could see it happening. I never thought of this stuff before, and it was just kind of on the back burner when I came across Acts 26, 18. Now, I'm going to read from 17. Paul is giving his defense to King Agrippa of an account of Jesus revealing himself to Paul. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open up their eyes so they turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so they may receive forgiveness of sins and share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And that's what got me, a share among those who are sanctified, sanctified by faith in me. But as you point out in your message, when Christ comes back, you know, that's really going to alter faith. Uh, just curious, what are your thoughts? How will salvation change once Jesus returns? What, if any, will the role of faith be when Jesus comes back? Yeah, that's that's a really good, interesting thing to, to meditate on and to pray about, right? Um, I look at John... John 20, when the Lord says, you know, blessed, you believe, Thomas, because you've seen, blessed are those who have never seen and yet they believe. 
that's the faith I'm talking about. Um, because at some point, and that's what Acts is talking about, what you presented on the screen, uh, is that, yes, we're sanctified through faith in him, because clearly this is a point after the resurrection, after the ascension. Uh, now they're preaching the gospel about a guy who's risen from the dead, and that's kind of hard to swallow for some folks, right? Um, but if you believe it, you're saved. You're sanctified. Saved unto what is basically the question I think we should ask. Um, yes, it means we'll live forever. Yes, it means we'll be with God. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but at a certain point, he does actually return, right? That, that's part of the gospel. Uh, he is coming again. Uh, and, you know, for scriptural backup on what I meant by that, you can look at uh, Philippians 1.6. He says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That's it. So there, there is a work, a sanctifying, a sanctification work that is finished on that day. There's no need at that point to continue that because he's back, right? Uh, or even 1 Corinthians 13, love never ends, prophecies they will end, tongues they will cease. Uh, if there's knowledge, it will be set aside, for now we know in part, prophecy in part, but when the perf that which is perfect comes, Jesus, uh, the partial will be set aside, so we'll know fully, right? I'll be seen as I am, right? And we'll see him face to face. At that point, something changes, something definitively changes. And so, I don't know if faith is the right word in that, um, but that's what will change and be different. Uh, Romans 8, um, where it talks about the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead, we will get resurrection bodies, right? And we groan every day about it. So, especially when you get to be my age, uh, you're 45 sometimes, like, what, what is this pain? What's that about? Um, never felt that before. Uh, so we're, but even nature, right? Even the creation itself is groaning for that day when the Lord comes and we get these bodies that never get old, never get sick and never die. Everything is waiting for that. And so that's the promise. Uh, the Holy Spirit helps our weakness. And it says, when we were given this hope, when we were saved, the new bodies that have been promised to us, that's the hope when we are saved initially. Like you say, what is, how does, you know, salvation change? Mm -hmm. Um, that's for now. But then when it comes, it says when we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Once it's here, no, nope, hope doesn't apply. So it's only always something in the future looking forward. Um, so now we're in that place. We're in that place of faith. Yes, I believe. I trust God. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he's coming again. I believe we'll get a new body. I believe all these things are coming. But at a certain point when he does come, that ends. And so we don't have to um, guess. We don't have to have any type of arguments. We don't have to do anything. We can actually go see the king personally in Jerusalem. We know where he lives. We're going to go visit him. We're going to ask whatever you want. I don't know how it's going to work exactly, but the point is he'll actually be there. There's no more faith in terms of, wow, I wonder what religion is true. Religion's over. This is this is the king. Either love him or not. You know, accept him or not. So, the, maybe the back end of your question is, in, during that time, how do things work in that situation, right? Yeah. Because um, there are, you know, resurrected believers that don't die anymore, and they, there's no more having children even at that point, right? The Lord tells us. You'll be like the angels. There's no more marrying, giving in marriage. But then there are folks who will still not be in that state. They'll be from Israel, from the nations, 
uh, who will not be, you know, who will still be in their fleshly bodies, who will have much longer lives, but they'll still be doing the normal things and having children and even dying. <clears throat> Pardon me. So how that would work is, did you serve the Lord that you saw? What did you do? Even uh, we read about in a couple of places where when the Lord comes, it's based now, not not today, but after he comes, during that what we call the millennium, the thousand-year reign on the earth when Jesus is, is here in person, then it's based on your works because mm-hmm. that's all there is. There's no more faith to judge on. It's like, well, he be- well, okay, what did you actually do? Because that's all that I can look at. And so that's. I hope that answers a little bit uh, where th- where that thought came from and, and why is it that? Yeah, man, I'm gonna have to have so many offline conversations with you because <laughs> there's just you're just so right up my alley. I mean, you're 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 really into prophecy. Why is prophecy so important to you? Well. It, uh, not to sound crude or whatever, but uh, it was important to Jesus. Hmm. Uh, and it's important to the prophets in the Old Testament. It's been important from the get-go, really. It's like seeing a movie and, oh, oh this is a great movie. Boy, This did you see that middle? That was fantastic. But then you turn it off before the end. There's a climax coming. Like Everything's building towards this moment. Uh, everything is about the the Lord handing over the earth to His Son to reign as the King, as it was intended, and as Eden was intended, which is to have that intimate, you know, familial relationship between the Father and His creation. And we are now His children. That's that's what He desired for Adam and Eve. He walked with them with the cool, in the cool of the day, blah blah blah. Right? They communicated directly. Uh, he, he said, here you go, Adam. Ha, here's this planet. Go name some stuff. You know, go, go take care of this place. I made it for you. Wow. You know what? That's what we're trying to get back to. And we will. I mean, that's the Lord's plan: is to eventually get. The, by the time this, all these prophetic things and the end times, and oh, that's maybe scary to some folks. But I'm excited because this means we're going to actually do what we're intended to do. God's going to make it all. Right, he's gonna set it right, and we're gonna, you know, shine, shine like the sun or shine like the stars in the heavens, uh, because we led many to righteousness, and it'll be a, a great celebration during that whole time. And then when this thousand years over, then what? Yeah. Well, now we're back to where we kind of where we started, uh, where God intends only with a much larger family, hmm. much God, you know, willing. Uh, and He is willing, by the way, to have a humongous billions of children. Uh, because that's what Peter says. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And that's all he really asks. If we do that, you're in the family, and it's going to be awesome. That's why I love prophecy, because it's it's the it's the how that occurs, and and um, and not just knowing what is coming in the movie, in the climax of the movie, but to know that there are dangers and pitfalls. Because the Lord warns of it all the time, Peter, Paul, you know, John, Revelation, whatever. There's constant reminders. Hey, be careful, lest you trip up, lest you fall, lest you become apostate. I mean, these are major problems, right? Uh, for those, even those of us who who follow Jesus, that there's going to be a major trouble and a major tribulation where. There's going to be issues with you, maybe not following the Lord anymore. Maybe you're going to not like this. Uh, Mark of the Beast thing. Maybe you're going to love your life more 
then you should, right? Maybe you're not going to be willing to give everything up. Maybe you're not going to be willing to, to die for his name. Maybe you're not going to be willing to serve the Jews when it's either them or you. you know, things like that, you know, big, big questions um, are going to make a lot of people fall away. And so there's that aspect as well. And as, you know, pastorally, that's my major concern is even these people who I might be talking to on a, on a Sunday or a Monday, you know, in the seats, where are they at? What if this were to happen tomorrow? Where are they going to be with the Lord? So that's, there's, that's all part of it. And it brings up a, my next question. A, I, I'm so pleased to be able to ask you and put you on the spot. Is the rapture real? I mean, American Christianity teaches there's a pre-tribulation rapture. rapture. Some say there's a mid-tribulation rapture and still others a post-tribulation rapture. I mean, what do you think? Should we be prepared just in case it is a post-trib rapture? Because honestly, I've dived into the the scriptures. I want there to be a pre-trib rapture. Believe me, I don't want to go through that stuff. I don't want my family and friends to go through that stuff. But I can't can't make the, the case. I'm curious, what do you think? Yeah, I can't either. And that's the issue with it, is what is it really saying? Because I used to believe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, yep, it's it's in there. All the smart guys who wrote all the books told me that it's a it's we're out of here before the tribulation starts. Don't worry about it. But that that's not the Bible. I mean, I mean that's not the message of the scriptures. Don't worry about it. In other words... Uh, we want to say it's imminent, right? Jesus' return is imminent, meaning at any moment or any day. I don't. How can we say that? If the the, the apostles asked the Lord, Matthew twenty four, Mark thirteen, Luke twenty one, etc., what are the signs of your coming? He could have just said. He should have just said. There are no signs, my children. I'll be back at any time. You have no idea when. There will be no sign of it. It'll just happen. Don't worry about it. That would be the answer if it was really. What we're being told, uh, but it's not. <laughs> Instead, he gives you know two whole chapters after that question of signs and conditions and things you have to watch for, because if you don't, just like the first coming of Jesus, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, etc., were supposed to know. They had the Word of God. They had the oracles of God. They had everything they needed to know who the Messiah would be, where he would be born, even when he would be born, Daniel 9. But they missed it because they just didn't care enough. They, they went about their own thing. They had their own traditions. They had their own theories, right? The Whatever. However, got them off the track. They were off the track. And so that's, you know, for us, this is what we've got to be wary uh, about with the rapture. Yes, the rapture, of course, there is. Uh, it's called the gathering to Christ, right? Rapture is actually not a Bible word, really. But yes, sure, there's a gathering to Christ, right? When Paul says it is, and Jesus says, which is at the seventh trumpet, which is at the end, mm-hmm. after these things, after you see, there will be no ga- even Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, tell you just explicitly, Paul says, hey, hey, there is no day of the Lord at any moment. He's not coming at any time. You're not. Gonna, it's not going to occur until you see at least the Antichrist sitting in the temple of God and the great apostasy. Now, I think those two things are directly related because when you have uh, uh, this great, you know, evil time and this great deception, the greatest deception ever is now sweeping over the earth and over the church. 
there are going to be many believers who, like Jesus said, their heart will be cold. They're going to turn away. And so if you turn away from Jesus, that's that's the great apostasy. Um, so anyways, when you see those things, then maybe we can talk about the day of the Lord. So the way I see it, and now for, for many years, just as you have, pouring over it, going over it. Look, I don't want an opinion on this. I want what God says. Right? What does he actually say? I don't think it's a mystery at all. I don't think when even Paul says, when I'm going to tell you a mystery means I'm going to reveal the mystery. There is no mystery anymore. I'm going to tell you the deal. It's going to happen after we see all these things. And if you endure to the end, then you shall be saved. Just like Jesus said, seventh trumpet, last trumpet, trump of God, all of that stuff. Just, yes, prepare to endure to the end, even if you don't buy that, even if you don't believe anything I just said. Don't worry about it because you it's like you said, Jamie, it's better to prepare to be here for the duration. Whether it's you or your kids, whatever generation is going to see it, prepare them and yourself to face it. If you don't, great. Fantastic. Hey, we're all wrong. There is a rapture report. Okay. I'm not going to fight that. You know, okay, great. Bye. Uh, or he wants to take you in a car accident tonight. Mm-hmm. Or heart attack or whatever. He has a million ways to get us to heaven, right? Yep. Do that. Be my guest. You know, no problem. But if we're just going scripturally and we're talking about that event, yes, we 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 need, especially church leaders, ministry leaders, we need to address everything Every time this comes up in terms of prepare to endure to the end. Absolutely. Now, you wrote a book called Flee to the Mountains. I had a chance to listen to it before this interview. Yes, it's actually unaudible for those of you who are lazy readers like me. You actually uh, narrate the book yourself. And aside from the incredible explanation of a lot of biblical prophecy relating to modern events, One thing that really got to me, Christopher, and I was a little bit excited and saddened at the same time when you talked about this, but um, towards the end, one of the later chapters, you talk about a problem you see with Christian agencies and trust, and uh, I just wonder if you could talk about that. Yeah, you're talking about chapter 9, which is, I call it mistrust, not working together as one body. Um. Unfortunately, I have a lot of anecdotes about it, and I go into a few of them in the book. Um, I, like you say, it's 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 very sad, but encouraging in a way when you find others who've gone through it, right? Because as as you can appreciate, it's not fun, but you also kind of feel like you're maybe a little crazy or a little you know something's wrong with me. What's wrong with me? Am I doing something wrong? Right? What? Why aren't I just being treated like a normal human or, or a fellow believer, right? We're supposed to treat each other better than you would think is as good as possible. Especially um, Christian agencies. Like you see an agency, uh, maybe someone who's putting out content or maybe someone who's, uh, you know, I don't know, who's really, really um, um, anointed that, that, you know, what the content is really blessing your walk. And then you reach out to that organization and you get a rude response. It's more than a little discouraging. It actually, for me personally, I almost question, what am I doing? I'm, I'm trying to do what God's calling me to do, but this, so, uh, you know, it's, yeah, you're right. When I heard you talk about it, man, I just was like, I'm not crazy. I, I, am, I am sensing this, and it's, I'm not the only one who's having this thought. You're not. 
you're not. And so if anyone who's watching this is in the same boat, you're not alone and it's not just happening to you. Now, that said, we should always be reflective. We should always say, God, change me, right? Uh, help me to be a better representative of you, Jesus. You know, Holy Spirit, take over. You know, all that is a given, should be a given. Because sometimes people are jerks. I mean, I, you know, I get it. And I've seen that also. When, But if you're being on the level, professional, you know, just, just being as real as you can be, just wanting to help. Or wanting to, you know, even help them. Help me help you, right? That type of stuff. I want to elevate what you're doing. Or let's talk, like you say. I want to reach out and, you know, come on my show. Talk to me. Get your message out there. Um, I want to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And but then, like you say, half the time it's 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 a rude, you know, blah, no, or we're busy or whatever, or no response whatsoever. <laughs> After your promised one, right, in face to face meetings, which is what I'm talking about in, in chapter nine, um, I would actually, you know, be at, at meetings or or conferences or whatever, and I run into the folks or the representatives, like, hey, they'll, you know, they'll call you tomorrow, they'll call you next week, and. Never happens. What happened? What happened there? Yeah, I understand things fall through the cracks. You do the best to follow up, right? I'm sure you've done this as well. Um, and then it just doesn't happen. So what are you left with? Uh, it's just I, to me, it has to be some level of spiritual problem with trust. It, we, we we just don't. We get clicky and um, just like anything else in the world, and we start behaving like the world. And we, we uh, you know, like withdraw, retreat into our tribes, into our little corners. And, oh, I'll only work with them because I know them the best. Or I only, they're approved by such and such a commission or, or whatever the case. Um, that's really not a good thing. I, I, I understand, you know, we have to be careful. We have to discern these things and pray about everything given, right? But at a certain point, it's just because you don't trust me or somebody else. And that's a problem. That's not okay with God. That's not a family um, dynamic. We, we, we should be fostering. The, uh, to me, a simple way to look at it is benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. Extending the benefit of the doubt to your brothers in Christ, your sisters in Christ, is the ultimate goal. You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to know them, you know, inside and out. But do you extend the benefit of the doubt to them or do you not give that to them and assume the worst? Just assume the best. It works out a lot better for everyone. Absolutely. It's Christopher Mint, right? I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I, and I really appreciate that you brought it up in your book. Um, and, uh, you know, it's something that I'm going to be praying about a lot more often. Um, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show. You're a pastor, you're an author, you're a speaker. I'm sure you're a very busy guy. We'll be sure to include all your information in the description of this video so others can uh, find out more. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and thank you for the work that you're doing. Uh, I know it can feel like a, a thankless job sometimes when you're footing the bill uh, entirely for your your own gig or your own ministry, but um, I think that there's purpose in that too. So just mm. thank you for what you're doing. Well, b bless you, my brother, and uh, I ask for favor and uh, great reach in this program as well, not just with me, but everyone else you bring on because it's really it shows the quality of the work. So you honor God and he'll, he'll honor you. Hey, good morning, everybody. This is Pastor Randy Scott with Iron Faith Fellowship Church with our morning tidbits this morning. I'm talking about something that's pretty sensitive. 
uh, family, children. We need to be paying attention. We need to be paying closer attention uh, to our kids. And I know you're not going to want to hear this, but you know something? Their cell phones and iPads and all these kind of things are teaching them a whole lot more uh, than you are. You know, we just got to check with our kids and see how they're doing. Check with them more often than we do. We think they're all right because they're not making any noise. Well, they're on their phone. They're on their iPad. They're in good shape. Do you know what they're watching on those things? You know, everything begins at home. Okay, we are responsible as parents and grandparents, okay, to be good examples. Our kids need to know what we believe and what we don't believe, okay, and why we believe and don't believe those things, okay? We need to show them the facts because, you know, the schools are doing it. You know, YouTube is doing it. All these venues, uh, uh, social media uh, is doing it. Parents, come on. I don't care if you're a single home. It does, I'm, I'm speaking to every parent out there. Let's tighten it up. Okay, let's take some time for your kids. Listen to them, hear them, talk to them, ask them questions. Ask them questions. Don't stress. Give God the mess. He'll take care of the rest. And guess what? We'll see you tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. for some more morning tidbits. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you've made it to the C block, my favorite part of the show, the show I affectionately refer to as the Gospel Minute. And over the past week, I've tried to think about details of the gospel that have not yet gone over and how to talk about them with you. There's so much about the gospel that I don't think I'll ever come up dry looking for something to discuss. But there is one thing, I think, that deserves some attention. It's a little bit uncomfortable. Sin. Yes, Jesus paid the price for our sin on the cross, and His resurrection and our faith in that grants forgiveness and eternal life. But how does our sinful behavior change when we believe what Jesus went through to pay for that sin? Do we continue same old, same old? I certainly don't. But it's not as easy as just not sinning. I mean, we're human, and we sin, and desperately need a Savior. The solution, and it's not a comfortable one, I'm afraid, we must constantly confess our sins to God. The Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive us, and so begins the rabbit hole of sin and how the gospel changes our attitude towards it. Now, real quick, I want to add the disclaimer for folks out there. I am not a perfect Christian at all. I've always had a problem fitting in. I often speak when I shouldn't. And the truth is, I have my own unique problems with sin. I desperately need Jesus as my Savior. And I'm so grateful for what He's done for me personally. It's something I think about a lot. But I am human, and I want to remind people of that. I get things wrong. I make mistakes. But this is who I am, and this is what's on my heart to do, to honor God, to love what God loves, to hate what God hates. Now, if you seasoned Christians out there hear me say something that you know I don't have right, please let me know. And if you noob Christians out there, if you've got a question, please reach out to me personally. My email is jamie at dakeev.com. And I would love to discuss whatever is on your mind. And finally, I wanted to show you real quick how to watch the show. Of course, you can watch it on YouTube, Vimeo, and Odyssey. But if you can't find it on one of those platforms, just shoot on over to our website, kcn.dakeed.com. It'll always be there. 
All right, thank you so much for watching the first newscast dedicated to citizens of the kingdom that will have no end. I'm Jamie Kiever. We'll see you next week. The effects of social media can't be overstated. With big tech able to silence presidents and elections determined through social media platforms, its influence over our lives is problematic, to put it mildly. And while several platforms have popped up promising to be censorship resistant and catering to a largely right or left crowd, one social media platform I recently encountered deserves to be on your radar. Joining us today is Christopher Manti. He's an associate pastor of Iron Faith Fellowship Church and lead pastor of the revolutionary endtime.church and author of the newly released End Times book, Flee to the Mountains. Christopher, thank you so much for coming on the show. Yes, sir. Thank you, Jamie. It's a great honor, my friend. All right. If you would, just start by telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, what you do. Right. So uh, I'm just a normal guy who had a, had a very unorthodox journey uh, to where we are. Like you say, I never in a million years would have uh, pictured myself as a, as a pastor of anything uh, or responsible for much of anything. Um, my life was very much in the secular world. I've, I, I was saved when I was eight years old. I know I love Jesus. I know uh, he's called me to, to serve him. And I kind of had a Jonah moment where I moved, you know, no, please don't do this. I'm going to do my own thing. Uh, and I came up in, you know, secular work, um, a lot of customer service, a lot of facilitating relationship, um, problem-solving types of things, um, always on the technical end of it. But it was basically just uh, getting people to help each other and to make those connections. And so the Lord brought that uh, gifting out uh, at that point for me. Uh, and then from there, it became a lot of like grassroots organizing uh, for political causes and candidates and things of that nature. Um, worked on a couple of presidential level campaigns and a U.S. Senate campaign. And um, eventually in 2012, it all came to a, a head and uh, on election night that night, the Lord basically asked me, so do you work for me now? And I said, yes, Lord, I work for you now. Um, and ever since then, uh, that's when Wings of the Eagle was born. It's the ministry he's, he's had me to create. And uh, it's almost exclusively an online presence. Um, and uh, that's when I said, you know what, I guess I better go back to my local church, uh, find one and get hooked in and get my family hooked in. And it's one thing led to another. When you just give up your uh, desires and, and everything and just say, I just want to serve, you know, my fellow believers here. I want to serve the pastor here. I want to serve the people in this particular uh, part of the body of Christ. That's when the Lord really can work through you. I just want to let yeah. your audience know that. Yeah, and, and that's basically how we got here. And somehow I got, you know, ordained. And now we've launched uh, this End Time Church, which you mentioned is an uh, online only uh, fellowship. And we have an awesome app and all this great stuff is happening. It's, it's just a tremendous blessing. Yeah, when you give your life over to that, wanting to serve, you can't help but bear fruit. And that's what I think this social media uh, platform, this app is, is really just amazing fruit from your walk. Can you tell us about the social media platform? I mean, how did you come up with it? What's the story behind it? I kind of had, I mean, call it, you know, the, the Lord uh, looking forward um, in what I had been doing. And it was becoming clear even years ago about 
you know, five, six, seven, eight years ago, that the existing uh, platforms that we see, like the YouTubes and Facebooks, etc., um, were not going to tolerate forever uh, the gospel. Uh, and especially when you're called to type of a bold, you know, no-nonsense, straight-to-the-point type of style that I have, and maybe you know a little bit about that as well, um, they're really not going to put up with you for long. Um, so I'm feeling like, well, we need our own thing. We need to create something where, because um, mobile devices uh, at one time was only for, you know, the rich or, or for the Western nations, but now it's ubiquitous, everyone really has access to it, even down to the, you know, the poor nations of Africa have cell phones. And so I'm just like, well, seems like we just need an app here that can circumvent all those things. So we don't have to worry about being shut out of this, you know, social media or that or YouTube or PayPal or whatever. Uh, but to actually just create something that we own. And we did. I found, um, you know, by obviously the Lord's leading, it was a company called Disciple, which ironically is not a Christian company. But uh, they helped me design it, and they uh, volunteered to host it and things of that nature. So, cost us a bit to to put um, you know that side of it in place, but it's everything that we want it to be now. There's um, it's on the app stores. Obviously, it's totally free. You just go get it. Uh, all you do is from your even on your computer, you don't need a phone or a tablet or anything. You just type in app dot dot church, and that'll bring you direct to your device's um, app store or URL. So you'll get it no matter what, um, how you get there, you'll get it. And it's totally free. You just put in your information, your email, you'll get a confirmation to weed out the folks who are phony and say, yes, this is really me. And this is uh, uh, what I'm interested in learning. And then you can be part of it. And it's worldwide, truly worldwide. We've got, I've lost count of nations now, but it's dozens um, of folks. But that's the goal is to really just say, okay, Let's be the body of Christ from no matter where we are um, and, and bring down as many barriers as we can to make that happen. Yeah, and I just absolutely love it. Uh, can you talk a little bit about privacy, though? I mean, is this app safe for, say, a church in China who's got to use, like, virtual private networks and stuff to keep their existence private from the government? Or, or is this just something for Americans that... Uh, might be prone to, you know, do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's certainly not uh, for any one nation or group for, I mean, that's the intention was specifically not to be that. Uh, it was to be a global access type of thing. Um, from the very beginning, it was very important to me to have private groups, to have private messengers, um, to have, in other words, there are groups on on our app that you don't even see, and you will never know they exist unless you're invited to it. Mm. There's no way anyone's going to see that unless they're looking over your shoulder, right? <laughs> and they, they take your phone from you and, and unlock it, I guess. You really can't prevent that type of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as a, a country, um, geez, I mean, I'm not an expert on it, but it would be very, very hard. Um, I believe if if you're come if you're using an IP address and they shut down all the IPs in the country, you know what I mean, like something like that. I suppose you could you could stop access, but um, to to break in and to to see what you're doing on it, that would be incredibly difficult. Hmm. Well, so I'm, I'm I'm personally satisfied, yes, with with that level. And that said, 
um, we are always, I'm always on them about it to, you know, what else can we do? How can we harden it even more? You know, how can we make it more comfortable for folks in persecuted situations? That's my heart about it, really, is to, you know, there are so many millions of persecuted Christians throughout the world, especially in Africa, Asia, the Middle East. Um, how do we get them comfortable enough to use it? That's my primary focus. So I'm always thinking about it. Christopher, how do people sign up? Yeah, just go to app.endtime.church from any device that you're on. It'll bring you directly to either the Apple App Store or the Android uh, Google Play Store or right on your computer, your laptop or desktop. You could It has a website version of it, so you don't even need a mobile um, device. Just put in your email and your name. You'll get a confirmation sent to you automatically to say, hey, is this really you? Is this really your email? You say yes, and it gives you the um, quick rundown of what the rules and regs are. You know, please don't be disrespectful, you know, Christian stuff, um, and just use your real name, things of that nature. Uh, and then you're good to go, and you're automatically placed in what we call the Start Here uh, group, which just tells you how to start and what to use and what the resources are in the app that you can uh, find, uh, where to get help, etc. Uh, the community group, which is just where everyone lives and talks and chats and posts pretty much whatever they want. Um, think of it like a like a holy version of Facebook or Instagram. Um, and then the prayer group, which should be our first right instinct, is to pray for each other and with each other. Um, and so that's open to everyone who joins the app. They're automatically placed in it. And then there are other groups. Uh, like I said, private ones, you, no one knows they're even there until you're invited by the owner of that private group. Um, and then there are uh, that would be a secret group, actually. And then a private group would be, it's there, but you can't get in unless you're approved. So there's all kinds of different levels in there and, and great um, opportunities for someone to really get a lot out of it. Christopher, is this a nonprofit or 5013C? I mean, how, how are you paying the bills here? Uh, well, it's it's kind of on our side uh, as the ministry. It's not nonprofit because, and this is true of Wings of the Eagle, End Time Church, et cetera, anything I'm involved with, um, because of donors. I don't want to have a donor list out there. I don't want there to be some kind of exposing of anything. I, don't, I want people to feel safe. Um, I also don't, just particularly for me, I don't like the fact that someone will give or not give based on whether they can get a tax, a tax deduction in the United States. I think that's rotten and kind of, it stinks to me. Um, I never have operated like that, so I don't think it's a big deal. And it, like you say, it would only apply to the United States anyways, and this is more of a global thing. Um, so to answer your question, it's it's not a nonprofit for those reasons, not that we're anyone's in it to make money, because we're not at all. Uh, but until we get to that level where folks are uh, just giving like they would to any other ministry or church, uh, then people who are putting it together have to foot the bill, which for now is mostly myself, but it is what it is. It's a faith a step of faith. I feel like God wants it to happen, so I'll give everything I've got. All right. Well, how can people support what you're doing? Yeah, there's a, certainly a donation or a giving page, uh, endtime.church slash give, and that gives you all the options, including crypto, by the way. Uh, you can donate with crypto or credit card, bank, check, all that stuff, PayPal, whatever you want, um, and it's all there for you. Whatever God leads you to do, do it. That's. I mean, we tell we have services every Monday night. We just tell folks, Hey, just pray about it. Whatever God tells you to give, just give it. That's it. You know, end of spiel. 
Uh, there's no 10% talks or anything like that. It's just whatever God tells you to do, do that. Be obedient. You'll be blessed. We'll be blessed. Everything's good. Now, I've been scouring endtime.church ever since I found it, and I came across a message you gave that was up on YouTube. You, you did mention the YouTube channel you run, Wings of the Eagle. And we'll be sure to include that information in the description of the video if there's anyone out there that wants to know more. But here's a really great clip from that message I'd like to play for the audience right now. The age will end. And this time of, well, believe whatever you want, is over. In a way, faith, when he comes, is over. There'll be no debate. Everyone will see him. Every eye will see him. Everyone on earth will know he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There is no dispute anymore. In fact, the devil himself is locked away. He can't influence anyone. There is no other religion anymore. Now, Christopher, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, and there is no right or wrong answer, but after I heard this, it really got to me. I mean, you, you described it in such a way that it became real for me to imagine. I could see it happening. I never thought of this stuff before, and it was just kind of on the back burner when I came across Acts 26, 18. Now, I'm going to read from 17. Paul is giving his defense to King Agrippa of an account of Jesus revealing himself to Paul. I will rescue you from your own people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open up their eyes so they turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so they may receive forgiveness of sins and share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. And that's what got me, a share among those who are sanctified by faith in me. But as you point out in your message, when Christ comes back, you know, that's really going to alter faith. Uh, just curious, what are your thoughts? How will salvation change once Jesus returns? What, if any, will the role of faith be when Jesus comes back? Yeah, that's that's a really good, interesting thing to, to meditate on and to pray about, right? Um, I look at John John 20, when the Lord says, you know, blessed, you believe, Thomas, because you've seen, blessed are those who have never seen and yet they believe. That's the faith I'm talking about. Um, because at some point, and that's what Acts is talking about, what you presented on the screen, uh, is that, yes, we're sanctified through faith in him, because clearly this is a point after the resurrection, after the ascension. Uh, now they're preaching the gospel about a guy who's risen from the dead, and that's kind of hard to swallow for some folks, right? Um, but if you believe it, you're saved. You're sanctified. Saved unto what is basically the question I think we should ask. Um, yes, it means we'll live forever. Yes, it means we'll be with God. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but at a certain point, he does actually return. Right? That, that's part of the gospel. Uh, he is coming again. Uh, and, you know, for scriptural backup on what I meant by that, you can look at uh, Philippians 1.6. He says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That's it. So there, there is a work, a sanctifying, a sanctification work that is finished on that day. There's no need at that point to continue that because he's back, right? Uh, or even 1 Corinthians 13, love never ends, prophecies they will end, tongues they will cease. Uh, if there's knowledge, it will be set aside, for now we know in part, prophecy in part, but when the perf that which is perfect comes, I mean, Jesus, 
uh, the partial will be set aside. So we'll know fully, right? I'll be seen as I am, right? And we'll see him face to face. At that point, something changes, something definitively changes. And so I don't know if faith is the right word in that, um, but that's what will change and be different. Uh, Romans 8, um, where it talks about the fact that Jesus is risen from the dead, we will get resurrection bodies, right? And we groan every day about it. So especially when you get to be my age, uh, you're 45 sometimes, like, what, what is this pain? What's that about? Um, never felt that before. Uh, so we're, but even nature, right? Even the creation itself is groaning for that day when the Lord comes and we get these bodies that never get old, never get sick and never die. Everything is waiting for that. And so that's the promise. Uh, the Holy Spirit helps our weakness. And it says, when we were given this hope, when we were saved, the new bodies that have been promised to us, that's the hope when we are saved initially. Like you say, what is, how does you know salvation change? Mm-hmm. Um, that's for now. But then when it comes, it says, when we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. Once it's here, no, hope doesn't apply. So it's only always something in the future looking forward. Um, so now we're in that place. We're in that place of faith. Yes, I believe. I trust God. I believe he rose from the dead. I believe he's coming again. I believe we'll get a new body. I believe all these things are coming. But at a certain point when he does come, that ends. And so we don't have to um, guess. We don't have to have any type of arguments. We don't have to do anything. We can actually go see the king personally in Jerusalem. We know where he lives. We're going to go visit him. We're going to ask whatever you want. I don't know how it's going to work exactly, but the point is he'll actually be there. There's no more faith in terms of, wow, I wonder what religion is true. Religion's over. This is this is the king. Either love him or not. You know, accept him or not. So the maybe the back end of your question is, in, during that time, how do things work in that situation, right? Yeah. Um, because there are, you know, resurrected believers that don't die anymore, and they, there's no more having children even at that point, right? The Lord tells us. You'll be like the angels. There's no more marrying, giving in marriage. But then there are folks who will still not be in that state. They'll be from Israel, from the nations, uh, who will not be, you know, who will still be in their fleshly bodies, who will have much longer lives, but they'll still be doing the normal things and having children and even dying Pardon me. So how that would work is, did you serve the Lord that you saw? What did you do? Even uh, we read about in a couple of places where when the Lord comes, it's based now, not not today, but after he comes during that, what we call the millennium, the thousand year reign on the earth when Jesus is here in person, then it's based on your works because mm-hmm. that's all there is. There's no more faith to judge on. It's like, well, he be- well, okay. What did you actually do? Because that's all that I can look at. And so that's, I hope that answers a little bit uh, where, th- where that thought came from and, and why is it that? Yeah, man, I'm going to have to have so many offline conversations with you. Cause there's <laughs> just, you're just so right up my alley. I mean, you're, you're, you're really into prophecy. Why is prophecy so important to you? Well, it, uh, not to sound crude or whatever, but uh, it was important to Jesus. Uh, and it's important to the prophets in the Old Testament. It's been important from the get-go, really. It's like seeing a movie, and oh, well, this is a great movie, boy. This did you see that middle? That was fantastic. But then you turn it off before the end. 
there's a climax coming. Like everything's building towards this moment. Uh, everything is about the, the Lord handing over the earth to his son to reign as the king, as it was intended, and as Eden was intended, which is to have that intimate, you know, familial relationship between the father and his creation. And we are now his children. That's that's what he desired for Adam and Eve. He walked with them with the cool, in the cool of the day, blah, 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 right? They communicated directly. Uh, he, he said, Here you go, Adam, here's this planet. Go name some stuff, you know, go, go take care of this place. Made it for you. Wow. You know, what? that's what we're trying to get back to. And we will. I mean, that's the Lord's plan, is to eventually get, the, by the time this, all these prophetic things and the end times, and oh, that's maybe scary to some folks, but I'm excited because this means we're going to actually do what we're intended to do. God's going to make it all right. He's going to set it right. And we're going to, you know, shine like the sun or shine like the stars in the heavens uh, because we led many to righteousness. And it'll be a, a great celebration during that whole time. And then when this thousand years is over, then what? Yeah. Well, now we're back to where we kind of where we started, uh, where God intends only with a much larger family. Hmm. Much God, you know, willing. Uh, and he is willing, by the way, to have a humongous billions of children. Uh, because that's what Peter says. He's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And that's all he really asks. If we do that, you're in the family, and it's going to be awesome. That's why I love prophecy, because it's it's the it's the how that occurs, and and um, and not just knowing what is coming in the movie, in the climax of the movie, but to know that there are dangers and pitfalls. Because the Lord warns of it all the time, Peter, Paul, you know, John, Revelation, whatever. There's constant reminders. Hey, be careful, lest you trip up, lest you fall, lest you become apostate. Right, these are major problems, right? Uh, for those, even those of us who who follow Jesus, that there's going to be a major trouble and a major tribulation where. There's going to be issues with you, maybe not following the Lord anymore. Maybe you're going to not like this. Uh, Mark of the Beast thing. Maybe you're going to love your life more than you should, right? Maybe you're not going to be willing to give everything up. Maybe you're not going to be willing to to die for his name. Maybe you're not going to be willing to serve the Jews when it's either them or you. you know, things like that, you know, big, big questions um, are going to make a lot of people fall away. And so there's that aspect as well. And as, you know, pastorally, that's my major concern is even these people who I might be talking to on a, on a Sunday or a Monday, you know, in the seats, where are they at? What if this were to happen tomorrow? Where are they going to be with the Lord? So that's, that's, that's all part of it. And it brings up a, my next question. A, I, I'm so pleased to be able to ask you and put you on the spot. Is the rapture real? I mean, American Christianity teaches there's a pre-tribulation rapture. rapture. Some say there's a mid-tribulation rapture, and still others a post-tribulation rapture. I mean, what do you think? Should we be prepared just in case it is a post-trib rapture? Because honestly, I've dived into the, the scriptures. I want there to be a pre-trib rapture. Believe me, I don't want to go through that stuff. I don't want my family and friends to go through that stuff. But I can't, I can't make the, the case. So I'm curious, what do you think? Yeah, I can't either. And that's the issue with it, is what is it really saying? Because I used to believe it. Mm -hmm. 
uh, that yep, it's it's in there. All the smart guys who wrote all the books told me that it's a it's we're out of here before the tribulation starts. Don't worry about it. But that that's not the Bible. I mean, I mean that's not the message of the scriptures. Don't worry about it. In other words, uh, we want to say it's imminent, right? Jesus' return is imminent, meaning at any moment or any day. I don't. How can we say that? If the, the the apostles asked the Lord, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21, etc., what are the signs of your coming? He could have just said, he should have just said, there are no signs, my children. I'll be back at any time. You have no idea when. There will be no sign of it. It'll just happen. Don't worry about it. That would be the answer if it was really what we're being told. Uh, but it's not. <laughs> Instead, he gives you know, two whole chapters after that question of signs and conditions and things you have to watch for. Because if you don't, just like the first coming of Jesus, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, etc., were supposed to know. They had the Word of God. They had the oracles of God. They had everything they needed to know who the Messiah would be, where he would be born, even when he would be born, Daniel 9. But they missed it. Because they just didn't care enough. They they went about their own thing. They had their own traditions. They had their own theories, right? The whatever, however, got them off the track. They were off the track, and so that's you know, for us, this is what we've got to be wary uh, about with the rapture. Yes, is there rapture? Of course, there is. Uh, it was called the gathering to Christ, right? Rapture is actually not a Bible word, really, but yes, sure, there's a gathering to Christ, right? When Paul says it is, and Jesus says, which is at the seventh trumpet, which is at the end. Mm -hmm. After these things, after you see, there will be no gap, even 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, tell you just explicitly. Paul says, hey, hey, there is no day of the Lord at any moment. He's not coming at any time. You're not. Gonna, it's not going to occur until you see at least the Antichrist sitting in the temple of God and the great apostasy. Now, I think those two things are directly related, because when you have uh, uh, this great, you know, evil time and this great deception, the greatest deception ever is now sweeping over the earth and over the church, there are going to be many believers who, like Jesus said, their heart will be cold, they're going to turn away. And so, if you turn away from Jesus, that's that's the great apostasy. Um, so, anyways, when you see those things, then maybe we can talk about the day of the Lord. So the way I see it, and now for, for many years, just as you have, pouring over it, going over it, look, I don't want an opinion on this. I want what God says. Right? What does he actually say? I don't think it's a mystery at all. I don't think when even Paul says, when I'm going to tell you a mystery means I'm going to reveal the mystery. There is no mystery anymore. I'm going to tell you the deal. It's going to happen after we see all these things. And if you endure to the end, then you shall be saved. Just like Jesus said, seventh trumpet, last trumpet, trump of God, all of that stuff. Just, yes, prepare to endure to the end, even if you don't buy that, even if you don't believe anything I just said. Don't worry about it, because you it's like you said, Jamie, it's better to prepare to be here for the duration. Whether it's you or your kids, whatever generation is going to see it, prepare them and yourself to face it. If you don't, Great. Fantastic. Hey, we're all wrong. There is a rapture before. Okay. I'm not going to fight that. You know, okay, great. Bye. Uh, or he wants to take you in a car accident tonight. Mm -hmm. Or heart attack or whatever. He has a million ways to get us to heaven, right? Yep. 
do that. Be my guest. You know, no problem. But if we're just going scripturally and we're talking about that event, yes, we 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 need, especially church leaders, ministry leaders, we need to address everything. Every time this comes up in terms of prepare to endure to the end. Absolutely. Now, you wrote a book called Flee to the Mountains. I had a chance to listen to it before this interview. Yes, it's actually on Audible for those of you who are lazy readers like me. You actually uh, narrate the book yourself. And aside from the incredible explanation of a lot of biblical prophecy relating to modern events, one thing that really got to me, Christopher, and I was a little bit excited and saddened at the same time when you talked about this, but um, towards the end, one of the later chapters, you talk about a problem you see with Christian agencies and trust, and uh, I just wonder if you could talk about that. Yeah, you're talking about chapter 9, which is, I call it mistrust, not working together as one body. Um Unfortunately, I have a lot of anecdotes about it, and I go into a few of them in the book. Um, I, like you say, it's 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 very sad, but encouraging in a way when you find others who've gone through it, right? Because as as you can appreciate, it's not fun, but you also kind of feel like you're maybe a little crazy or a little you know something's wrong with me. What's wrong with me? Am I doing something wrong? Right? What? Why aren't I just being treated like a normal human or, or a fellow believer, right? We're supposed to treat each other better than you would think is as good as possible. Especially um, Christian agencies. Like you see an agency, uh, maybe someone who's putting out content or maybe someone who's, uh, you know, I don't know, who's really, really um, um, anointed that, that, you know, what the content is really blessing your walk. And then you reach out to that organization and you get a rude response. It's more than a little discouraging. It actually, for me personally, I almost question, what am I doing? I'm, I'm trying to do what God's calling me to do, but this, so, uh, you know, it's, yeah, you're right. When I heard you talk about it, man, I just was like, I'm not crazy. I, I, am, I am sensing this, and it's, I'm not the only one who's having this thought. You're not. You're not. And so if anyone who's watching this is in the same boat, you're not alone and it's not just happening to you. Now, that said, we should always be reflective. We should always say, God, change me, right? Uh, help me to be a better representative of you, Jesus. You know, Holy Spirit, take over. You know, all that is a given, should be a given. Because sometimes people are jerks. I mean, I, you know, I get it. And I've seen that also. When, But if you're being on the level, professional, you know, just just being as real as you can be, just wanting to help or wanting to, you know, even help them, help me help you, right? That type of stuff. I want to elevate what you're doing or let's talk. Like you say, I want to reach out and, you know, come on my show, talk to me, get your message out there. Um, I want to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And but then, like you say, half the time it's 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 a rude, you know, bah, no, or we're busy or whatever, or no response whatsoever. <laughs> After your promised one, right, in face to face meetings, which is what I'm talking about in, in chapter nine, um, I would actually, you know, be at, at meetings or, or conferences or whatever, and I run into the folks or the representatives, I'm like, hey, they'll, you know, they'll call you tomorrow, they'll call you next week, and. Never happens. What happened? What happened there? Yeah, I understand things fall through the cracks. You do the best to follow up, right? I'm sure you've done this as well. 
um, and then it just doesn't happen. So what are you left with? Uh, it's just I, to me, it has to be some level of spiritual problem with trust. It, we, we just don't. We get clicky and um, just like anything else in the world, and we start behaving like the world, and we we uh, you know like withdraw, retreat into our tribes, into our little corners. And oh, I'll only work with them because I know them the best, or I only—they're approved by such and such a commission, or or whatever the case. Um, that's really not a good thing. I I I understand. You know, we have to be careful. We have to discern these things and pray about everything given, right? But at a certain point, it's just because you don't trust me or somebody else, and that's a problem. That's not okay with God. That's not a family. Um, Dynamic. We, we we should be fostering. The, uh, to me, a simple way to look at it is benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. Extending the benefit of the doubt to your brothers in Christ, your sisters in Christ, is the ultimate goal. You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to know them, you know, inside and out. But do you extend the benefit of the doubt to them, or do you not give that to them and assume the worst? Just assume the best. It works out a lot better for everyone. Absolutely. Christopher Mint, right? I couldn't agree with you more. Um, And I really appreciate that you brought it up in your book. Um, And, uh, you know, it's something that I'm going to be praying about a lot more often. Um, I I really appreciate you coming on the show. You're a pastor, you're an author, you're a speaker. I'm sure you're a very busy guy. We'll be sure to include all your information in the description of this video so others can uh, find out more. Thank you so much for coming on the show, and thank you for the work that you're doing. Uh, I know it can feel like a, a thankless job sometimes when you're footing the bill uh, entirely for your your own gig or your own ministry, but um, I think that there's purpose in that too. So just thank mm. you for what you're doing. Well, b- bless you, my brother, and uh, I ask for favor and uh, great reach in this program as well, not just with me, but everyone else you bring on because it's really it shows the quality of the work. So you honor God and he'll, he'll honor you.